1: There's a reason half of
0: business travelers do not use their company's chosen travel management platform. Booking business travel and just getting where you need to go is still ridiculously complicated, time-consuming, and costly. Trip Actions takes the pain out of corporate travel management with a complete solution that helps businesses save and keeps employees happy. Because it's the first travel management platform designed from the ground up with the road warrior in mind. With easy booking from app or desktop, 24-7 proactive support around the globe, and incentives for employees to save on travel expenses, companies large and small see over 90% adoption and save up to 34% on travel spending when they use TripActions. Companies from Lyft to Sarah Lee's Frozen Bakery That is an expanse of businesses right there. (laughs) All trust TripActions with their business travel. TripActions rewards travelers for saving company money, and they'll reward you for just checking them out. Reshape your business travel today. Go to TripActions.com slash friends and attend a 30-minute demo, and you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. But it's this month only. TripActions.com slash friends for a free demo and a $100 Amazon gift card tripactions.com slash friends. Hi, I'm Annamarie Cox, and welcome to With Friends Like These, the show where we talk about the differences between us without letting them divide us. There is an unfortunate theme to today's show. It is the ways in which our public conversations and public policy affect the private lives of vulnerable people, specifically in this case, Young queer people. And that unfortunate theme means I have to give you an unfortunate message. And that message is if you are not up for hearing people talk about mental health and specifically suicide and suicidal ideation, you might want to sit this one out, take a break, come back some other time when you feel more up to it. It's a good conversation. I think you'd benefit. But you know, it's kind of heavy one conversation heavier than the other. Our first guest is Karamo Brown, and that is the somewhat lighter one. You may know him from the new Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. He is also a former social worker and a suicide attempt survivor. We talk about why he doesn't use the term coming out and how he's used his place on Queer Eye in his mission to eradicate stigma around mental health. The second guest and somewhat heavier conversation is with Parker Malloy, a longtime friend of the pod who is back for a kind of terrible reason. She is here to discuss the recent moves by the Trump administration to define trans people out of existence. It's a heavier conversation, but so worth it. So I hope you can stick around for both. Coming right up, Karamo Brown. So I guess the first thing I want to ask you about is you uh, came out as, as, as gay at 14, is that right? Pretty?
2: Sure, yeah, pretty I started much. I seem, No, I started letting people in my life when I was 15. I don't use 15, the term coming right.
0: out. Okay, actually, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in that because I have a question about that too. Nice, okay. Um, and the, reason, the only reason I ask is because you also you know, started talking about your mental health publicly. I guess not too long after that, a few years um, on real world, you talked about your depression. Um, but I'm curious about the inner realization about about both those things. Like, I mean, I feel like people realize, you know, what their sexuality is. It's like just natural. They grow up with it, right?
2: Of course, you are who you are, and uh, you are I th- who you are. I think one of the key things for us to remember, and especially the pressure that we put on young people or people as they are just matriculating through life, is to understand you are who you are, no matter how much growth may happen throughout that journey. You are who you are, and there's there's that whole argument of nature versus nurture is true to some point, but you're born a certain way. Not to be sound like Gaga, but it's the truth, and <laughs> it's ironic. This morning, I woke up because I'm a nerd and I watch old Donahue, Phil Donahue episodes and old Oprah episodes. And I was watching an Oprah uh-huh. episode from 1998 where she had a man on that his mother raised him as a woman for the first 11 years of his life. And now he's oh, wow. 20 years old and he's on stage with his mom. His mom's all, you know, torn up. But what he was saying was, I'm a straight man. And it gave me a better understanding when I see trans people and and people who identify as LGBTQ, because everyone told him he was a woman and he was supposed to be this way. Yet he knew who he was. And he kept saying that I knew who I was and I didn't have the language because his mother kept him out of school. So he didn't have any training about genitalia. But it's a clear lesson of people can't change. You know, when I see little children and people debating about a child put on makeup, that child has no idea. It's the same as paint to them. It's not going to change their sexual orientation or their gender identity. Yet for some reason, we get consumed with, oh my gosh, he's not playing with a truck. He's going to be gay. It doesn't work that way.
0: Well, I'm interested in the ways that kind of realizing what your sexuality is or who you are in that way is and isn't like realizing you're someone that, you know, suffers from, I don't like the word suffers from, but someone that, that has depressive tendencies. Because for me, like, because I'm a straight person, I don't, and our culture makes that kind of invisible. Like I didn't have a process by which I realized I was straight, but I do kind of remember the ways that I realized I was different from other people in terms of my mental health and how I struggled to put a name on it for a long time because it was something that we don't talk about very much. So I'm curious for you, what was that like for you to kind of realize my head, my brain, There's this way that I'm different, and then there's this other way that I'm going through something that not everyone goes through.
2: So first of all, I want to say that you did have your own process, even though you identify as straight, of letting people into your life. It's just that society, we put more pressure on people who identify as LGBTQ to make more of a grand announcement. And we make that announcement either um, something that we applaud or that we boo. And for most straight Americans, that ideal of who I am, you actually do have that own process. It's when you start coming home and you say, mom, I have a crush on another little boy. (laughs) It's just that you're not getting the same response. So in your mind, you feel like you're not having the same process. We're all going through the same thing. But to answer your second question, especially when it comes to mental health and identifying um, how do I need to process that? That for me was something similar to you is that as a culture, we don't discuss mental health. Um, And it's because people are afraid of mental health. It's scary to talk about things that are dark. It's the reason why we like the sunshine. It's the reason why we like to stay out in the daytime. It makes us feel comfortable because we can see everything. And when it comes to mental health issues, you can't see it. You know, if mental health issues cause physical gashes on us, as a society, we would talk about our mental health more. But because none of us can actually see the brain and don't get brain x-rays enough. Is that the proper term, brain x-rays? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, who knows uh, yeah, I'm like, as it came out of my mouth I'm like there's something there but I'm not that smart uh, it's not brain X are x-rays are you talking about
0: are you talking about like a literal like the MRI like a cat scan or, yeah, MRI cat or, scan yes, here
2: we okay. go we're gonna go with brain x-rays though we're gonna make that a thing <laughs> but you know we don't get those normally and so people can't mm. see you know, the dark matter in their minds that's causing them to feel depressed, feeling anxious. And I think it's important for us to have that conversation and shift. For me, it started, I would say in high school when I was playing sports, I was physically active. And I noticed there was an obsession from my coaches for me to be physically fit, but never to be mentally fit. And the reason I was Mm -hmm. able to realize the distinction was because a lot of my teammates were going through a lot of dark times because they were worrying about college. They were worrying about pleasing their parents. They were worrying about just doing well in the game, the next game. They were worried about so many things that were causing them to act out either using drugs, alcohol, violence. And I was looking around and I was saying, Something's not right here and whatever's not right is in their minds and is in my mind. And but yet our health coach, you know, our health teacher and our coach one and the same for me, was always saying, "Get to the gym and do 40 push-ups. Build your body out." And for me, it was clear that we put more of an onus on physical fitness than mental fitness. And that's where I started to realize that I have to try to figure out a way to work on my mental fitness just the same. And I think it's about breaking it down in that very clear way for people so they understand that it's okay to want to work on your mental fitness. I hate and I hate is a strong word that I normally don't use, but I hate the fact that as a society, we'll go to work and tell people, I worked out today, I lost five pounds, oh my gosh, I'm changing my diet. We, we have no problem with telling people that. Yet, we will not go into our job and say, I feel really anxious. I'm feeling mm-hmm. depressed. I'm having, you fill in the blank. And it's because, again, you can't see it. If it's not a physical change, then people are afraid of it because what I can't see, I don't understand. And we have to help them to understand that though you can't see it, it's real. If you believe in atoms, believe in mental health.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny that you frame it that way because when I was re watching some Queer Eye episodes, um, you know, I was reminded that they identify you as the culture.
2: Coach, right? Girl, that was and, my biggest bane in my existence. I cannot.
0: I just. <laughs> I'm like, you know where I'm going. I know where you're
2: going. <laughs> Especially to be honest with you, and I usually don't lead with ego, but a part of my ego was bruised when the show came out and I would see comments from people saying, What's Karamo's job? What is he here to do? And I was hired to make over the hearts and minds of the subjects. But because the title of culture was held over from the original show, they felt very comfortable in saying, like, we can't change that. People need to see these five categories. Mm -hmm. And so you'll do whatever you want in it, but we're going to call it culture, which was misleading to people. Um, Mm -hmm. And even though culture is all about shared attitudes and attitudes and values, which are some part of emotion and the way you view life, People automatically think of museums and plays, which are a byproduct (laughs) of that. But my job is to go in and, you know, fix a certain thing. And so it bothered me. And so, like, there's parts in season one. And first of all, I've only seen season one one time because it hurts my feelings to watch. And I I love the show. I love the cast. I'm so thankful for the Netflix and to the producers of the show. So let me be clear. This is not like a... I'm complaining about the fact that my dreams are coming true. Not at all. Um, but I knew what I was there to do. And so sometimes when I'm looking and I'm building a website in season one, I'm like, Sigh. I'm not helping the audience like I know I could help right now. But it was because mm. I was trying to find a balance with being the culture guy, whatever that means, and also doing what I wanted to do. And... Um, it, it, it was a hard struggle for me. And my mental health was tested because many times I felt in a dark place and I felt like I wanted to give up because I thought, what am I here to do? Everything else, everyone else is a physical thing. You can see it. He's going to cut the hair. He's going to change the clothes. He's going to cook for you. He's going to change your house. And here I am fixing the inside and it wasn't enough for some people. They were like, no one's going to understand what you're doing because they can't see something physical. And it goes back to exactly what I said. And luckily, now that the show has been out and it's been a big success, they're like, oh, people got it. And I'm like, I know, because people are smart. (laughs) (laughs) So people are smart. And now we're in shooting season three. And I can happily say, I'm not building any more websites. I'm not doing Mm -hmm. any more photo albums. What else did I do that was crazy in season one? I was like, Jesus. Um, I don't even know. But after a while, for... Any people who really watch the show, that's why after a while, I used to only have conversations in cars because it was my way Mm -hmm. where. Oh,
0: my God. I wondered about that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like I was like watching it and I was like, this is something I I was like, what can what smart questions can I ask? Uh, Yeah. And part of me was like, why are they talking in a car? Because there's no reason why this particular conversation should. Be in a car. It was the
2: only place <laughs> that I could have a one on one true therapy esque oh. session without anyone being around me and forcing me to do something that they considered culture. And so it was my moment to say, because the other guys, when they have their connections, they're cutting hair, they're building right. or whatever. So it was my way of like sort of escaping everyone else's opinions and saying, I'm going to drive. And so while I'm driving, hey, let's have a conversation about really what's going on with you. And they didn't catch on until too late. So it was like me and cars talking, me and cars talking. And <laughs> did,
0: everyone, did anyone ask you, like, why are you driving everywhere? Or did you have a good ex- Did you have, like, a place you would tell them you were going? No. So like it was all. So what ha-
2: this is the beauty of it. I was always driving to a field trip, but the field trips always got cut. Because the meat of what I was doing was in the car ride. So you never even saw. So, like, for instance, there's an episode with a police officer. Her name is Corey. He and I have a really amazing conversation about um, race politics in America. We talk about the militarization of police. And I take him after that to go create a charcuterie plate.
0: <laughs> Sorry.
2: no, it's, That is really uh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool. That's, but, like, why the hell am I taking cool. him to go... Create a charcuterie plate. But they cut yeah. it because they were like, oh, i had a conversation in the car and now it works. Um, and that happened over and over again. So like my field trips, you wouldn't see me doing them because there was no point because I had the conversation on the car ride there, which is my strategic little plan of like, <laughs> I'll show you. We're going to get to the mental health of this all. Um, but in wow. season three, we're not having those issues and they're like, dive in, go for what you know. You're really good at it. The audience is spawning at it. And we have faith in you. And um, I'm happy now because as we go forward, the audience knows that culture isn't really culture. It's about me fixing their mental health.
0: I do want to kind of move, move backwards a little bit because I am curious about the process of kind of figuring out what's wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. or not necessarily maybe wrong is not the right word. You know, I mean, language is really important. And like, I appreciate you um, pay, paying attention to the, the phrase coming out, um. Because I, I I do really remember the different times in my life where I've, I've had breakthroughs about my mental health that have usually come about in part because someone gave me the language I needed.
2: Mm, that's right. It. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't remember. I remember I was diagnosed as being depressive in college. And I was like, I mean, I knew what the word depressive was and everything. I mean, I knew what that meant. And I knew what was a thing that people had. But like someone telling me, like, that's what I was exhibiting symptoms of was kind of a revelation, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, so that's what's that's that's what you call this thing that's happening in my brain. Yeah. You know, yeah. Did you have a, a, a time like that?
2: Oh, of course. I mean, the saying that I always tell people is you don't know till you know, and that goes mm-hmm. clearly for mental health. You know, that's why language is so important and why I perceive and try to teach people to think about the things they're saying. You know, one thing that I say intentionally always is how I grow through life. And by me saying grow through life, it means that I have an opportunity to continue to change and flourish. And that where I am right now does not define me because I might be a little stub right now, but I may grow into the biggest tree ever. And that's going to be part of my journey. And that goes with coming out. You know, I understood working with LGBT youth when I worked in social services that they were putting undue pressure on themselves because they felt that they had to come out to every single person of their in their life. They had to make this grand mm. gesture and that is unfair to them. And it doesn't help their mental health. It doesn't help their growth. And so by saying to them, you, you it's your opportunity to let people in who you trust and you love means that I don't have to, make this something bigger than what I wanted to make it. And that's true for all of us. We all have parts of our identity and parts of our who we are that we let certain people into. I mean, we can go as something as ratchet as, you know, like sometimes I like to turn up. Do, does my pastor mm-hmm. and his wife know I like to turn up? No. Does that mean I'm ashamed of turning up? No. It just means I'm not letting them into that part of my life. With the same thing of I'm a very sexual being. Do I have just... Open open conversations with my sons about my sexual experiences <laughs> no because they don't need to know that they're my kids so am I ashamed of me being a sexual being no it's about me saying the boundary I'm setting for myself is to let this let you into this part of my life and it takes the pressure off of me and allows me to know who I am is okay and you know even the way you corrected yourself at the beginning of this is saying what's wrong with me that's something that hurts my heart when I say hear people say that. There's nothing wrong with any of us. Each phase we are in in our life, every place we are with our mental health, with our physical health, that's a phase that we can grow to the next phase. It's an opportunity for us to learn, to be, to understand who we are. And there's nothing wrong with you. I try to tell people when I um, speak around at colleges and corporations around the country is that you're perfectly designed. And I try to chant that mantra for people so they understand that by being perfectly designed, that means that who you are right now, there's nothing wrong with it. Does it mean that your design might not change in a way that you want it to? Of course it can. But who you are right now is fine and that's okay. And if you ask for help, knowing that you're perfectly designed, it gives you an opportunity to grow at a pace that works for you.
0: You are perfectly designed is such a lovely way of describing, you know, people. Um agreed. Thank it, you. It reminds me that I would love to talk to you about faith. Um when's the last time you
2: prayed? Right before I walked in this interview. <laughs> I was like That's funny. Okay, and I gotta tell you this prayer for me um is something it's also about setting intentions. My prayer mm-hmm. to the God I believe is setting intention for my life. And I think that sometimes people who are atheists, like my son identifies as an atheist, and I love him and accept him for who he is. But it's when we get around the table, I say prayers and I say to him, set an intention for what you want. And it's the same thing. Um, mine's is rooted in a belief of something bigger, and his is rooted in a belief in himself. And both are rooted in love and truth and everything that's good in this world. And so I always pray or set clear intentions for what I hope before I walk into a room. So today, as I walked in here, I said, Dear God, I pray, or my intention is, that I say something that will at least help someone to grow and to feel better about themselves and to know they're not alone. Allow my voice to be used so that someone knows that they can make it too. That's clearly just an intention I'm setting. And when I'm at the dinner table, my son says, You know what, Jason, your intention after you walk up from the dinner table is to finish your homework and to do the best and be the best you can and inspire some of the other kids in your school to know they can do it, too. Nothing is different. And that's why it always boggles me when people feel as if faith and an intention to be a good person are somehow different. They're rooted in the same.
0: I actually prayed before we talked, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) we're, We're on point
2: then. We're on point.
0: Yeah, my prayer before interviews is that I hear people as they wish to be heard.
2: Hey, oh, that's beautiful. Yes, empathetic listening. Can we get some clap for that? Yes.
0: (laughs) So Uh, I hope you feel like I heard you as you wish to be heard.
2: I did. Thank Um, you so much. Oh, my gosh. Can I use it on Queer Eye?
0: Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. I will quote Um, you.
2: I will quote you. I'm going to totally use it. Point
0: people to the pod, but yeah. I will. I will. 100%. I will. All right. Um go say hi to Ira for me. This was great. I do I would love to talk to you, you know, I I think we can go deeper and longer as it were. Oops. Um uh some other time. Okay. I hope so. Again, say hi
2: to Ira. Thank you, Thank you so, you so much, much for this. Have a great day.
0: I am currently wearing an outfit that was sent to me by Stitch Fix. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this because it's a cute outfit and I try not to wear the stuff that they send just exactly like they tell you to wear it, but I was um, a little rushed getting ready this morning, and I was like, oh, that green sweater. Oh, what should I wear that with? Oh, what did it come with in the box? And it came with this cool like, uh, gray and um, black striped shirt and um, a pair of jeans that, quite honestly, I've been wearing almost every day since I got them. They're cut from the cloth jeans, which is a brand that kind of does all the cool things that the expensive brands do for for not very much. Um, you see a lot of it in Stitch Fix. In any case, I'm a fan. Um, and they they now pay me to say those things, but I have been using the service for literally years. And if you don't know what it is, Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Just go to stitchfix.com slash friends and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick items to send right to your door. You then try them on and you pay only for what you love and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are free. There is no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. I have mine scheduled and it's something I look forward to. I don't have a lot of time to do shopping these days. So it's like my little retail therapy in a box that comes to me. Stitch Fix styling fee is only $20, which is applied towards anything you keep from your shipment. So get started now at stitchfix.com friends, and you will get an extra 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. That's stitchfix.com friends to get started today. stitchfix.com friends. Journalist Mehdi Hassan is known around the world for his televised takedowns of presidents and prime ministers. He hosts Upfront on Al Jazeera and is a columnist for The Intercept. And in his new podcast, Deconstructed, Mehdi unpacks a game-changing news event of the week while challenging the conventional wisdom. In a tight... 30 minute package, a little quicker than what we do here. He starts his show with his take on one topic and what the mainstream news is getting wrong or what context is being missed. And then he goes into a deep analysis in conversation with his guest or guests of the week. And get this his guests have included Judd Apatow, Bernie Sanders, and Hassan Minhaj. So he kind of covers the gamut, I would say, in terms of who you might be expecting. Um, it's everyone from comedians to politicians to for instance, Stefan Clark's fiance. So you're going to hear from a lot of different people. And the show has covered such topics as the violence in Gaza, from the perspective of Israeli activists against the occupation, and of course, police shootings, as through the eyes of the fiance of Stefan Clark. Also, he's talked about the dangers of John Bolton with former diplomats as a Brit and a Muslim and immigrant based in Donald Trump's Washington DC Midi Hassan gives a refreshingly provocative perspective on the ups and downs of American and global politics. Deconstructed is a show that cuts through political drivel and media misinformation to give you a straight take on one big news story of the week. It is out every Friday, just like this pod. You can listen and subscribe at theintercept.com/deconstructed or on any podcast platform. And now Parker. Parker Malloy is an editor at large at Media Matters for America. She is hilarious on Twitter. She has a wicked sense of humor, but is also one of the kindest people I know. And as I said in the intro, she's here to talk about the Trump administration's moves to erase trans people. When she and I talked, we had only heard about one such move, which was the redefining of gender and sex by the Health and Human Services Administration, and we go into some detail about that. Since we spoke, there has been another action from the Trump administration against trans people, and that is on behalf of the Department of Justice, who has told the Supreme Court that they do not believe that existing civil rights laws protect against trans bias. There's a specific court case at stake here, uh, one that may still be heard in front of the Supreme Court. And the ACLU has said it will step in if that case does in fact move to Supreme Court. But make no mistake, this administration has declared war on trans people. And it's a war they think they can win, in part because so few of us Think about trans people as part of the fabric of our country. We don't know any trans people, or more accurately, we think we don't know any trans people. But trans people, whether they are out or not, will be injured in this war. Some of them by direct action of the government, and many more will be injured. By the pervasive message the government sends. You don't matter. I am honored and privileged to have had Parker on to talk about what that feels like. Parker Malloy. Parker. Hi. Um, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's pretty shitty. How about you?
3: Uh, you know, well, I mean, grading on the like Trump relativity scale. Uh, you know, it's a it's a normal it's a normal day, normal week. Tgif,
0: right? In other words, Wednesday. pretty shitty. Is, I'm know, guessing. Obviously. Like, <laughs> and if we're if we're judging, you know, by any, actually, I think even for Trump terms, it it hasn't been a good week. You know,
3: no. I mean, <laughs> as as we're recording this, uh, the the news is all about bombs being sent all over the country. So now that I think about it, it's actually been a terrible week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: So I hope that you're you're practicing some good self-care because uh, we're going to have to talk about the terribleness. Um, All right. Let's dive in. Yeah. Let's do it. So it started, started on the first day of the week on yes. Sunday. Uh, people listening to this show are probably aware of the Trump administration trans memo. Uh, but just in case they haven't or they need to be updated because a lot of news has happened uh, since then— still being only midway through the week for you and me. Uh, do you want to kind of just give an overview of, of what that was and what it meant?
3: Sure. Um, so, so yeah, so Sunday morning, the New York Times came out with this article that basically said, it said uh, something to the effect of Trump wants to, or Trump administration may um, define transgender out of existence, which is which is a scary thing as a transgender person to wake up to. <laughs> you know, it's like check the phone and see that, like, oh, cool, I may not have legal <laughs> recognition soon. Um, so I dove into the article to, to see exactly what that meant, thinking that maybe it was being hyperbolic, but it really wasn't. Um, so so basically what what the the whole thing is about is uh, since taking office, the Trump administration's been taking uh, kind of chipping away at trans rights. As well as, well, various rights, you know, for all sorts of people, but especially trans people. He seems to like really kind of go to that whenever he needs to toss some some red meat to his base. Um, so, so they pulled back on the um, the trans student gui- guidance in February 2017. At, right after he took office, they made the argument in court. That they don't believe, uh, trans people are necessarily covered under, uh, existing, uh, non discrimination laws at a federal level. Uh, you know, he obviously tried to ban trans people from the military. So he's been doing all these things and they, they've all kind of sucked a lot. Um, but on Sunday, it was the worst of them all and the scariest. Um, so on Sunday, uh, the New York Times reports out this piece that says that uh, the Trump administration is is considering creating a federal definition of, um, you know, a, a sort of federal definition of gender and sex uh, to apply across agencies, which would, um, you know, affect how it's interpreted under, um, you know, the Civil Rights Act and other um other non-discrimination protections at a, a federal level. And essentially what it would do is it would it would say that it is totally legal to discriminate against someone on the basis of their gender identity because while sex is a protected class, uh, gender identity is not. And the Trump administration's definition is that people are, whatever their original birth certificate says, um, you know, unless they can prove that the birth certificate was wrong through genetic testing. So in other words, trans people will forever be the gender that they were marked on their birth certificate, uh, no matter what they do. No matter what I do, uh, in in this definition, I will always be labeled a man, which is not good um, <laughs> for a number of reasons. And it's more than just like... You know, oh, that would hurt my feelings Yeah. because as I, as I mentioned, it, it, it strips away legal protections, uh, you know, um, it, it strips uh, away who you are. It, it would make it legal to basically discriminate against trans people in, um, healthcare because this is coming through HHS, but it may go across agencies, but it could be healthcare, uh, employment, housing, public accommodations, uh, just because we're not we're not a protected class, you know, otherwise under this under this sort of sort of plan. So this was really scary news. And what else does this mean? We still don't know exactly what's what's going to happen with it. But the end goal for this, the reason that it's coming out of HHS, uh, a lot of people seem to think is that one controversial aspect of the Affordable Care Act was this thing called Section 1557, which is the um, nondiscrimination section. and It says, you know, it can't discriminate on the basis of sex. And the Obama administration interpreted that to mean can't discriminate against anyone, you know, can't discriminate against trans people. So all plans that were receiving federal funds uh, had to cover, you know, uh, transition related expenses, which was really cool. Um, And they couldn't deny us care, which was very cool. Um, But. With the Trump administration coming in, they they quickly um, stopped defending that because it was it was constantly being uh, being fought in court. So they stopped defending it, and this is them coming out with a new, new rule to replace what the Obama administration put in. So that's that's where this all kind of comes together. But basically, the the end result is that it will be legal to discriminate against trans people in healthcare right now but it will could soon cross agencies and if it makes it to let's say the State Department which controls passports um, it, it could essentially void my passport
0: it, it doesn't just make it okay to discriminate based on gender identity. it says gender identity doesn't exist
3: right. yes all the conservative articles i've been reading it's they they've really been celebrated they've been doing a touchdown dance ever since
0: yeah and, and this is just um i don't know if i could understand it you know like i i don't know if it's possible for for someone whose identity is pretty well recognized sure to even get to a place where what it what does it feel like to be told, like, yeah, it, you don't exist? It's
3: very uh, lonely and alienating. Honestly, I've I've heard from so many trans people who, since Sunday, have sent me messages saying that they are, you know, scared. They don't know what's going to happen, and they see, you know, these fights coming up around the world. You know, over in over in the UK, they just had like a big public fight over trans rights that's it's been going on in the press for a while but um you know it things just seem very unsure and even in in Canada there's like pushback on some of their advances so it's starting to get to the point where you know it sometimes i i look at this and i'm just like is the is the world going to be okay for people like me to exist in it you know are are trans people going to be allowed to kind of exist peacefully. Cause I don't, you know, when, when I think about, and, and this is this, so this is something that kind of, kind of, I think a lot about, um, you know, when one thing that a lot of people who are anti-trans will say to trans people is no matter, no matter what you do, you know, no matter how much, how many hormones you take, no matter how much surgery you, you go through, you will never be, what you want to be. And the reason that hurts so much is because it's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so true, at least to me, you know, because that is something that eats away at me. You know, I, I, I sit around and I think, why, why am I not? Why am I like this? I hate being like this. You know, I wish I wasn't trans. It's, it's something that I, I think about constantly. And, you know, I don't want to be a a trans woman. I don't want to have to think about that. I just want to be a woman, you know, or, you know, Hey, if I was, if I was just a, you know, a cisgender dude, I would be fine with that too. I just don't want to be like this, you know? So I, you know, I do, I do what I can to feel as comfortable as I can. Um, but knowing that I'll never quite be happy, which is kind of a, it's, it's very bittersweet because it's like progress, but I'm still not as real as I
0: think I am,
3: you know, or as I, as I know myself to be, if that makes any sense.
0: It does make sense. And honestly, Parker, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> it's uh, it, it sucks, you know, and I, and I think about that uh, so much, you know, one of the things that, you know, especially lately, especially the past few months is, So before I came out as trans, one of the things that I, you know, I kind of, there were three options. There were three options. There was coming out as trans, uh, you know, and entering this super scary world (laughs) where people would gawk at me and, you know, and all the rest and, you know, and which is basically what I, what I ended up doing. And it was scary and terrible and horrible and everything like that. But the other options weren't any really any better. The other options were just try to ride this out as long as I can. Just just being a dude, just trying to be a dude or acting like a dude. Um, But I was like I was so hollow on the inside um, that it just kind of sucked. And it kind of hit me with this this thought that was just like, you know, it's not like once I get to the end of life, it's like, I don't just get to be like, okay, cool. Now I get to do this over, (laughs) you know, it's like, do I really want to live out 60 years like that? And, and, you know, I had a tough enough time getting through 26. So that was the other option. And then the third option was killing myself. I mean, which like, I get that that's, you know, it's, you know, um, it's, it's a tough topic, but but I, you know, I had two suicide attempts before that. And um, I, I was very, very, very seriously thinking about a third, um, but kind of found myself at this this point where really what it came down to is I was too scared. So I went with somehow the decision to be publicly seen as a trans person, to be gawked at, to have comments made, to, um, you know, to just be, to be treated horribly at the job I was at, to see my hopes of a promotion just evaporate. Um, All of that was the less scary option. So I did it. And the past few months I've been thinking, I don't know if I made the right choice. Because there are very good things. There are very, very good things in my life. There, there's Kayla, there is Meatball, there is Snickers, there is Jeffrey the Bunny. You know, like these these, these things are great. I really love my new job. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because I I make a living by writing, which is something I love to do. You know, I get to stay at home. I don't have to put pants on to work if I don't want to. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I, I'm lucky in all of these ways that are very, very cool. But still in the back of my mind, I, I wonder, yeah. did I make the right choice? You know, back in 2012, you know, I, it's, it's not a choice of whether I was trans or not, but whether I would, you know, which, which path I would, I would kind of go down. You know, would I, would I hide this secret my whole life, you know, <laughs> be someone I wasn't, uh, or would I be someone that I'm closer to, but not quite, you know, like, cause I'm, uh, like I said, I'll never be. I'll never be the person I want to be, but I can try to get as close as possible.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. That means you can improve your mental health even if you had trouble making time for it in the past. I... I'm fortunate enough I don't use talk space that often um, because I have a good, like, you know, therapist that I see all the time. But it is a excellent thing for those times when you are hit, um, you know, with the case of the shoulds and the uh, a case of the night thoughts. Um, I get those sometimes still um, that thing that happens when you can't sleep and you think of all the mistakes you've ever made in your life. <laughs> so it's good for that. And also, I have friends who've used it as a kind of stepping stone to get to maybe more intensive therapy as a way of just kind of reaching out for that very first time and getting someone to metaphorically hold their hand. Um, I have some friends who actually just use it as a regular therapist as well. But it's a great service. And if you are someone that is hesitant to get a therapist or you just can't imagine fitting it into your life... I would suggest trying Talkspace. It really is as easy as sending a text message. You can get something off your chest whenever you need to. You can talk about everyday challenges at work or at home. You can just chat about life. There are no commutes, no leaving the office, and no judgment. Remember that therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts. It is some about that, and that's great. It also isn't just about digging into childhood memories. It's also about practical everyday strategies for stress management and living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to, who is trained to listen and to help you make positive changes. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced at addressing the life challenges we all face. To match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com WFLT and use the code WFLT to get $45 off your first month and to show your support for this show. That's W-F-L-T as your code and the URL talkspace.com slash W-F-L-T. So the ZipRecruiter script starts with the question, you know what's not smart? And honestly, like I sat here for a minute and tried to think of stuff that wasn't necessarily political or timely to say what's not smart. Like I I was going to say, you know what's not smart? Is you know voting in a Congress that won't hold Trump accountable? Yeah. Well, you know it's not smart. Not voting for a uh, Congress that will hold Trump accountable. Uh, but who knows when you're going to listen to this? So I tried to. I, w- I want to keep it timely. You know what's really not smart is leaving your husband and puppy at home and not being very clear about what kinds of things the puppy can eat. That is not smart. And I discovered that over the weekend. And I won't get into any more detail. ZipRecruiter wants you to know what's not smart is to be overwhelmed with wrong resumes. What you want to do is use ZipRecruiter.com slash friends. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. Maybe there's something like this for things that puppies can eat. Anyway... No more sorting through the wrong resumes, no more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., and this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com friends, that's ZipRecruiter.com friends, ZipRecruiter.com friends, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I want to point out a couple of things, though. Um, sure. One, uh, in case people don't know, uh, the suicide attempt rate among trans people is astronomical. I think, you know, because of the pressures that you're talking about, right, uh, yeah. that no option feels like the right option, no option feels like a safe option or a satisfying option. Um, 29% of transgender Female teens say they've attempted suicide, and among non-binary youth in general, it's 40% that have attempted suicide. Yeah. Um, And like I said, I'm not going to challenge you on this this interior journey and the feeling of, like, never quite being what you really want to be. But I do want to point out that this is where the personal and political meet, right? Yeah. Because— you are now hearing from the government you know they are underscoring that terrible what i would say is like a terrible voice in your head
3: <laughs> yeah well exactly they it are legitimizes they it. are <laughs>
0: legitimizing the, the the voice that tells you that you will never be a woman right yeah and the other thing that it, it's doing that message from the government and we haven't brought it up yet you, you alluded to it but i just want to make it very clear is it's sending the message to people who are bigots mm-hmm. that you are not a woman yeah and that you are okay to discriminate against at the very least but perhaps yeah. even commit one, violence one line against. that was in
3: the new york times piece that's really kind of stuck with me which it wasn't a quote from the trump administration but it was just it was, it was written into it by the New York Times journalist was uh, something like, you know, uh, wrong, wrongly extended civil rights to people who should not have them or something mm. along those lines. Which thinking about that, that's just, that's scary, you know, where it's just like, who, you know, it, imagine thinking like, no, that person wrongly has rights mm. because that's all that trans people want. We, we just want We want equal rights. These are not special rights. These are not extra rights. These are the same rights that are written into law for so many other groups. And some are equally as as, as vague because one thing that that comes up a lot in this discussion is, well, being trans is, you know, just sort of how you, if it's how you identify or or if we have to just go with your word on it, then, you know, how do we defend that? I mean, it's the same way that you defend religion, because that's not something you can, you can really quantify any other way. It's you take people at their word that something is a strongly held belief, but we still protect, you know, anti-religious discrimination. So, you know, there are ways to have protected classes that are not cut and dry. Um, But I just, you know, also know that, you know, my life will get a lot harder, you know, if, if, this goes through, and one thing that that hurts, you know, that's like that's like an extra twist of the knife is. So you see these stories, and then you see how um, how democratic politicians and you know will will just kind of be silent, and how people will say, "See, all the left does is focus on identity politics." This is just identity politics, and there's no good. There's no good. good uh, no good response here because, yep. really, well, if 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 I, trans I people one. try to stand up for themselves, it's, <laughs> oh, you're playing identity politics. If we don't, we lose our rights.
0: I got one. <laughs> so, I, got a, I got a response, yeah. um, which is that we don't say that. At least, people who are Democrats don't say that about race anymore, right? Right, like. We don't say if someone made a let's just say a bathroom bill about different races using the same bathrooms. Oh yeah, people would object. We people would object <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we, but we see this this
3: and, sort of thing play play out in other ways. There's there's a um, there was a story I think last week about a uh, I think it was an adoption agency. Oh, yeah and I can't remember the state but basically they they wanted a uh, they wanted the Trump administration to give them a waiver that would allow them to only you know a- adopt children into Christian families and turn away a Jewish family and people were like this is outrageous how could this happen this is un-American it's like but you know states and the you know the uh the the federal government you know has has been you know have been pushing for for similar type things, but to deny people on the basis of you know, are you straight or are you gay? you mm-hmm. know we these discriminate discrimination is discrimination yeah. and that's, it's 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 so weird that we're we're still in this place where people have to say discrimination is bad and <laughs> the people on the other side, what they do is they, they try to frame it as, this isn't discrimination. Yeah, they try to say there's no such— That almost
0: makes it worse. They, they say, okay, so when people on one side are saying discrimination is bad, and the people on the other side are are like, well, why are you bringing that up?
3: Yeah, <laughs>
0: like, it's not exactly. even— When they're the ones
3: bringing it up in the first place. They're not even you know, who, arguing who, the point who puts about— these bathroom bills in, you know, into state houses? It's not— you know, there's there's not some giant trans lobby, you know, that's super well funded. Uh there was a Breitbart article recently I was reading that that said the the increasingly powerful trans lobby, and I'm like, dude, are you kidding? Um, but you know, there we're not the ones doing this. We're just trying to exist. It's that these these groups, uh, which is something that in a recent story I wrote about at Media Matters, you know, these these groups. Uh, after the marriage equality ruling, you know, the, the groups that were fighting back against that, they kind of repooled their resources and they decided to, instead of fighting against marriage so much, they would take their fight to, um, you know, against trans people because they have to keep that culture war going because identity politics are important to, um, you know, to to that side of things, you know, the the very conservative side of things, you know, as much as they as much as they say they're not.
0: And they actually tend to vote um, more along identity lines than Mm -hmm. people who identify as progressive or democratic in the sense that their identities determine their politics. If you're a white, cis, Christian, straight man, especially like your politics are probably determined by that. Oh, yeah, pretty clearly,
3: you know, and this is it's another thing I I touch on in that um, that piece that I wrote where, you know, you have, um, you know, the reason that one of the reasons that this maybe doesn't seem is obviously identity politicky or whatever. um, When you're talking about conservatives is that they are a much more um, uniform group you know, there, there's less, there's less diversity in there. You know, it's, uh, progressives tend to have to work as these coalitions, you know, people of color teaming up with LGBT people teaming up with, you know, women fighting for reproductive rights and, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's all coalitions, but on, on the conservative side of things, it's, it's a lot of, you know, there are still some, you know, various kind of groups broken out, but demographically they're very similar, um, or tend to be. So that's, Maybe it doesn't seem like identity politics when more or less everyone that you're you're trying to convince, it falls into
0: those identities. <laughs> and what I was going to say to be clear is that when I say that being you know white straight male Christian um, culture c- Christian culturally at least, it's not that your your politics are just determined in a in a very definite and hard way that by those mm-hmm. things. It's that it is so much easier to predict someone's politics <laughs> oh, yeah. based on those things. And and this is maybe just a, a, a slightly different way of putting the point you were, you were just making. Um, when the term identity politics gets thrown around by conservatives or liberals, for that matter, in a critical way, in a negative way, they seem to forget that White, straight, Christian, cis, male is an identity. You know? Yeah. Like they only name it's only identity politics if it's someone who's not white, who's not cis, who's not straight.
3: (laughs) You know, they, 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 otherwise they're pretty, pretty much cool with it. They're just like, yeah, no, we should be able to do this. You know, but if when we, when we, when people wrote, you know, take any of the, any of the discrimination cases, you know, that come up and flip them around and think about, you know, a, Uh, a trans baker who turns away a gay couple or something like that, people would be like, oh, you know, and if, and if like, you know, the, the left rallied behind the trans baker trying to, you know, turn away, you know, um, Christian couples or something like that, you would, you would hear a ton of stories that were just like, look at these identity politics. (laughs) (laughs) But Otherwise it it seems to kind of be like, no, that's just America.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to say, just before I forget, um because this is again lots to talk about in a way, and there's there's so many ramifications here is that parker i I don't want you to ever forget that by making the choice that you made to be an out trans woman, you know that is powerful beyond who you are. and yeah, it's I know that that know, can feel it can the, feel lonely but i yeah. know it, it, that you are making a difference i know it
3: and and that's you know that that's something that over over the past few years, you know, I was a um, kind of a a bit of a hellraiser mm-hmm. on um, on the Twitters <laughs> in in twenty fourteen or so. Um, I remember. And, I think know, yes. And, and, and have <laughs> you know a, t- a tendency to sometimes still do that, but I try not to. I try. I try really try because you know I have I had some situations where I would just like really just you know, just, just blow up friendships and, you know, really just screw up. And I was horrible and awful. And, uh, you know, it bit me in the ass, you know, I lost a really steady freelance gig back in 2014, um, because of some like dumb internet fight. And so now, you know, the, especially since the 2016 election, really, I've been really trying to be like, okay, if I'm gonna be here, I need to I need to be a net positive on the world. That is, that's the one thing that's important to me. Because if not, what's what's, you know? It, it kind of comes back to that. What's the point? Kind of question. But you know, obviously there there are all sorts of other arguments to to be like, no, 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 this is important. But well, I think that I don't want to. I don't want to make anyone else's life harder because I know how hard it can be, you know, like I know how hard just dealing with myself is or being in my own head can be, you know, and I know that there are people with, with, you know, really serious issues, you know, whether it's financial or their relationships or anything else, you know, it's like we, we're all dealing with something and it's, yeah, wh- why, why make something harder for anyone
0: else? And of course I applaud your growth in in that area, in part because I'm someone that you have blown up at. <laughs> but yes. and, uh, I actually yeah. want to make a point here. No, 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 let me make this point, which is that you are valuable to the world not just because you're on Twitter and how you behave on Twitter. Like, I want you to understand that. And also, to the extent that that matters— being someone who makes mistakes in public and then keeps growing is pretty fucking valuable.
3: Yeah, I I I try to, you know, the the TLDR to to life at least as as, as I follow it is uh, to try to be a little less shitty than I was the day before. <laughs> so, you know, it's like if I can keep doing that, that's that's a really easy attainable goal. Doesn't have to be a lot less shitty, just a little less. You know I think like that, like shave like a little shave a tiny bit of shit off and you know that's that's progress
0: i don't i don't think jesus said something exactly like that but um it seems close it seems it seems now, like, this, is, this is
3: bumper sticker worthy
0: yeah <laughs> um so we we have to wrap up but um i want to thank you for being on the show and i I just really need you to hear how valuable you are to the conversation that not just we just had, but, you know, to the public conversation. And, and how, like, hmm, like I don't know what the etiquette is around telling some a trans person, you know, Uh, what I think about who they are but Parker like you are who you are to me you know like you're Parker and if I I, that's all you need to be
3: I really needed to hear that you know it's it because it has been it's it's been a really really terrible week and like I I really appreciate that and It's almost awkward having this discussion on a podcast, but thank you for that.
0: Thanks so much. And that is it for the show. Thank you for making it to the end of that one. And if you're here, you are probably thinking about Parker and people like Parker. So I want to remind you about the existence of the Trevor Project. The Trevor Project is a suicide prevention service aimed at lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and other queer young people. If you are a queer young person and you are thinking about suicide, feel free to call them. The number is 866-488-7386. And if you are someone that knows a queer young person, you might want to have that number on hand as well. And especially if you're someone that knows a queer young person, or if you just care about queer young people, consider donating to The Trevor Project. It's an awesome organization, and they're very needed right now. Until next week, please take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where OneTravel comes in. With OneTravel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip, Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online via app or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com/music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it,
1: live it. One Travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy.